Welcome to Digging the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways of bringing these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the Online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and Space to Meditate and an MBSR teacher and trainer. So greetings, Doug. How are you doing today? Great to see you, John. We were speaking a while ago about greed, yep. and I was referring to the hub of the Wheel of Samsara, and we couldn't remember what the third <laughs> the third image was. So it's a pig, a cock, and a snake. Yep. And the snake, I believe, uh, is representative of hatred and anger, mm-hmm. um, though the cock could be as well, but I think the cock is more about uh, delusion. But... And I don't know exactly why all this. Uh, this is from a yeah. later tradition, so it's something that I, I'm not yeah, as familiar with. True. I've seen the I've seen the tankas, the paintings. They're gorgeous, but I, you know, yeah, figuring out all the minutiae is sort of beyond me at this point. <laughs> but they're there in the hub, and it's these three poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion. So yep. our topic today will be hatred and anger. Fun. Um, which is, uh, you know, I never experience any of these things, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure others do. So I guess, no. Um, I think it's, you know, these are really important qualities of the mind to be aware of. Just going back to the, the, the third foundation of mindfulness, which I'm in the middle of teaching right now, um, knowing the mind filled with hatred, knowing the mind not filled with hatred. That's the instruction. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, (laughs) so when is it present? When is it absent? And when it's present, what to do about it? (laughs) That's the key thing. Allegedly, right, somebody who is fully awakened never experiences hatred. But for those, everybody else, you know, when hatred is present, how do we work with it? Yeah. Um, And is anger really a bad thing? Right. Well, and this is an, uh, this is uh, another issue that's somewhat controversial, whether there's a distinction to be made between anger and hatred or not. Uh, I mean, within the early tradition, so far as I can tell, there is no distinction to be made. I mean, anger, hatred, it's the same thing, and it should be – it's not the sort of thing that an enlightened person will have. But uh, I know many people who think otherwise, uh, that there's such a thing as perhaps – Righteous anger, for example, that there are certain things in the world that we are justified in being angry about and that even an enlightened being would be angry about. That's one opinion. Uh, and I I don't know if you know whether that comes from some parts of the later tradition, but I know in early Buddhism, they're really, we don't ma- they don't make that distinction so much. Uh, the famous, famous sutta in the early tradition is one that basically says no matter what is being done to you anyone right. who anyone who has an angry mindset is not following my instruction and i mean anyone yeah. who is not looking at the other who's doing this stuff who doesn't look at them with a, a, a heart of love a heart of kindness is not doing my instruction right and that image is pretty severe it's you know being yeah. hacked apart by limb by, by limb by someone right and you're still supposed yeah. to maintain love for the person doing it yeah okay but but that's that's one thing i think righteous anger is is another thing and i think there were times when you know when when it came to the buddha's cousin 
David Devadatta, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he yep. was there was anger there, but it was you know, it was the kind of anger that isn't necessarily resulting anger doesn't have to arise from hatred. Mm. Anger can arise from love. Right. And, and, you know, the love for the Sangha or the love for the teachings or the love for another, you know, and if somebody is affronting somebody that, you know, somebody you care about, there's going to be anger. If the, you know, obviously if we can be angry around social justice issues because of our love for justice, you know, so I think the anger can arise. The question is, knowing when that anger can lead us to unskillful actions. I mean, this is how I interpret the teachings. And and if hatred is present, recognizing that hatred inevitably will lead to unskillful actions, whereas anger, not necessarily so. So I don't, I don't really see them. I know those, the, they can be used in the same way interchangeably sometimes, even in the early teachings, but I really wonder about that. Um, I just don't know of any passages in the early tradition that ever recommends anger um, for anything, anger. yeah, or recommends yeah. it or condones it. Um, yeah. Now it is true, as you say, that the Buddha seems to have gotten angry at Devadatta. Some of those passages, however, seem to be later interpolations. Mm. Um, they're not found in other traditions. Uh, that is to say, the same text in the Chinese recension doesn't include some of the horrible things, the, the, the nasty things that the Buddha was supposed to have said uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. to Devadatta. Now, uh, also the Buddha did get quote-unquote angry, that is to say stern with his monastics when they misunderstood his teachings. Yeah, um, that's a little the, different. Yeah, yeah. I mean the question is, yeah. where, you know, I, I guess the, the, the philosopher in me wants to say, okay, so what is, how are we defining anger then? Uh, I mean, certainly sternness, um, certainly uh, toughness, uh, courage, those kinds of things, sure, those things uh, that the Buddha was in favor of. But this anger bit uh, is, I guess it just depends how we define it, what we mean by it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, again, you know, it's going back to the question of is this anger going to be harmful yeah to another or to myself now anger can certainly be harmful to myself because if i hold the anger in or if i don't process the anger in some way or if i don't if i don't let myself feel the anger in various ways then the anger simply just uh, stews you know and can result in undue stress and, and other things Right or or I can try to quelch the anger by unskillful actions. Whereas you know, if I if I recognize the anger, explore the anger, investigate the anger, you know, what is what is really going on here, right? And in a way, it goes back to something we talked about once before, which is this: I'm angry because I can't control the situation, mm. right? And so then there's a letting go of that, right? And as we let go of that, or there's a recognition that, of course, I can't control the situation. Who am I to be able to control the situation? Who is the I that is controlling this? You know, it's like, and once that kind of wisdom turns itself on the anger, the anger becomes something else altogether, I guess. I mean, I've, it's certainly been my experience that that's happened, especially when the anger is toward myself. 
You know, so I could have anger at myself for some action. And then I just keep getting more angry at myself or keep getting, you know, I ruminating about why I did something or whatever it is until I actually look at the causes and conditions that led up to the action that I'm now angry about. And then let go of the idea that it, that is who I am, right? So I am not my anger. Anger might be present, but I'm not my anger. So if anger is present, but I'm not my angry uh, anger, or it's not even me being angry, you know, what happens to the anger in that moment? So it's a really interesting place of investigation, for sure. Yeah. And it also, I think, comes with the desire, as you say, to want to be in control and to change other people in particular, I think, um, and sometimes even other things. And we sort of personal personalize things in the world. We get angry at the door. We get angry at our cars. <laughs> we get angry at, you know, um, because we're, th- we're th- treating them as, 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 you know, people, as <laughs> thinking things and want them to think like we do. And <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, people don't generally change uh, that easily, at least not when we want them to. They don't, they don't follow our instructions, I'll put it that way. So Yeah, yeah. And the other, I mean, so another uh, problematic aspect of anger is long-held anger. Yeah. You know, which then becomes resentment. And, you know, in those moments where whenever we experience resentment, we're really uh, stuck in in a form of delusion because it's it's we're taking everything so personally and we're not opening up to the whole picture of something, uh, and that can be really dangerous and and is certainly a major obstruction to any sort of awakening. I, I know I've been present for people who are dying who are still holding resentments, and it's really sad because they just can't go peacefully. They can't make that transition because they're holding on to it. And then, of course, if we, you know, bring in the whole, we bring karma into the picture, which is directly related. You know, we see that angry, angry actions create more angry actions because it's the karma that we're carrying forward. And hatred inevitably leads to, you know, something that's not going to be. Yeah. So the question is. Well, I was going to say also, before, before you get that, I was going to yeah. say there's a really good uh, uh, simile that the Buddha gives, which is along the lines you just get, you just mentioned about people with resentment. He talks about different kinds of people being, some people, uh, their anger being like a word carved in a rock, you know, where it just, it lasts forever and ever and ever. And others people being like words carved on sand, where it goes away quickly, and others being like words carved in water, where the, where the anger just goes away very quickly. And, and the idea being that as we practice, we may experience anger, but it becomes less like resentment, like the resentment you're talking about, and it's the sort of thing that rises and decays immediately. Right. It's like water um, on a hot stove. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think the Dalai Lama talked about that at one point. I seem to remember somewhere yeah. the same kind of thing, that he, he does feel anger, but that it tends to go away quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found that myself in gen in general in general with practice is that the anger that I feel tends to go away a little bit more quickly now. Um, I mean, there are deeper issues of stuff that I tend to get angry about, and it stays. But but in general, you know, <laughs> the anger that that I feel tends to be something that that 
arises yeah. and decays. And it's so interesting, those, you know, it's like, look, the world is a mess right now. There's plenty to be angry yeah. at, right? But, yeah. but if we, and, and nobody's denying <laughs> that the world is a mess. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, it's easy to get angry at certain people or certain processes or, you know, the history of the last 400 years, like, like, why didn't they see this, you know, but that anger can really be exhausting and weigh us down. And, and, you know, and even like being angry at the situation with COVID and, and, you know, we've, you know, I can feel the malaise that is kind of a result of that kind of anger and frustration. And, and so, the, the question is, how do you turn it around, right? And and so, the the teaching is really about can can be about like replacing that anger and hatred with something else. And we touched on, we alluded to this once before, and and sometimes that can can be unhelpful, right? Because you're just replacing one thing with another. But uh, let's say the antidote in the hindrances, for instance the antidote to anger is, is loving kindness, right? And so is it possible to have loving kindness toward that which you are angry or hate? You know, is, can, can the mind turn that quickly? And yes, to some degree, when you open up, when you open up to the narrow view that this is about me, when you open up to the fact that whatever resulted in in an action that makes me angry or hate-filled. I don't know about everything that preceded that, right? That's the moment where something can shift. So it's almost like a two-step realization. Well, there's a, a step of realization, the wisdom that, oh, I don't know, you know, the, the causes and conditions that resulted in this, the delusion that resulted in an unskillful action or however and then once that's seen, then I think there's that loving kindness can be brought into the picture. Com compassion can be brought into the picture. Yeah. And, and so often we can, um, narrowly define our adversaries by the, by the things that we don't agree with that they do, uh, without seeing them as a whole person that may have other qualities that may be very beneficial that we're just sort of not aware of, perhaps even, yeah. um, or setting to one side. Um, there can be a very, I mean, the part of us that gets angry, part of me that I can think of, I'll speak for myself, uh, the part of me that gets angry is one that tends to uh, absolutize things, you know, that so-and-so is just a bad person um, because of so-and-so, whatever they've done. But then, but then, you know, I think, okay, but I've done X, Y, and Z too. I mean, you know, but then I think that I'm a bad person. <laughs> so that, you know, that, that necessar doesn't necessarily work very well, but, you know. <laughs> It's at least, I guess, a stage. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it just, you know, often when we teach loving kindness and some will, someone will bring up, you know, I, I can't, I can't possibly offer loving kindness. And I'll just say, for he who shall not be named, so I don't have to name the person. I can't possibly have loving kindness for that person. And I'll say, well, yeah, I get that. But if you realize that the, this person's actions are because this person is just has has zero wisdom and is stuck in delusion. Can we have compassion for that? Right? Yeah, and that's a big leap, but it's possible. And and that really goes back to the teaching you were talking about before of 
even if you're being hacked to pieces limb by limb, can you still have compassion for the being who is doing that to you? And the Dalai Lama talks about that in the context of uh, the monks that came, you know, that got out of China after they'd been tortured yeah. for many years. And he said, how did you manage that? And it was to have compassion for for the being that was torturing them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful teaching. Uh, yeah. I think it's interesting that, um, I mean, the the practice of, you know, giving loving kindness to various people, including our enemies, that comes, at least so far as we know, uh, it was written down by Buddhaghosa right. <clears throat> in the fifth century of the Common Era. And one of the interesting things I find in that description of that practice is that Buddhaghosa talks about thinking of ourselves and our benefactor and our good friend and a n- neutral person, all with loving kindness. But then he talks about considering our enemy, but he doesn't say with loving kindness, actually. He just says neutrally. In other words, to try to think of them neutrally, just as basically as a just some random person. And I think the idea here is that if we can think of them neutrally over time, then maybe eventually we could move them into the category of the, you know, the person that we see on the street and then have loving kindness for them eventually. So it's, I think, at least that's how I understand uh, the the practice because I don't see how any at least I can't just immediately have loving kindness for somebody that I think of as an enemy. I just it's yeah you know it's hard yeah 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 I mean absolutely. But we can think of that it's use it would be useful to and that it's it's good to uh, be beneficial at least to try to think of them in a positive way with compassion as you say perhaps is easier. Um, so that we don't make the situation any worse. And I also, what comes to my mind is the realization that if this person truly were happy. Yeah. They wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that's how I see it. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, you know, one has to, and again, this is the practice of loving kindness is not necessarily changing somebody else. It's changing me. Right. It's, It's opening my heart in a particular way. You know, and, and and there's no need to kind of dive in at the deep end when one is, is practicing that. So, but at the very least, just, you know, when hatred is arising in the mind toward anybody, but, you know, let's just leave it hatred toward myself, which is not an uncommon, I mean, for me, it's un, relatively uncommon these days, but... But anger isn't necessarily like sort of anger. I mean, what's really interesting for me is when I have these moments of being angry about something I didn't do, you know, 20 years ago (laughs) or 30 years ago. It's like, God, if I had only done this, you know, this is absurd. If I'd just done that, I'd be in so much of a better place. If I'd only bought that, whatever, that piece of real estate, you know, 30 years ago, I wouldn't be worrying about this. And it's like, that's really helpful. <laughs> you know, really? Yeah, so, really? um, but you know, that's that sort of, we can see how anger can create a spinning of the mind, which is completely unwholesome and, and just yeah. not helpful. And the only thing you can do at that moment is bring in self-compassion and self-love. It's just, yeah, I didn't know, you know, uh, my life is different, you know, whatever. I mean, there's, there's just, uh, it's, what is it? The, the, uh, the serenity prayer kind of thing that you can't change right. the past. And so in a sense, I mean, 
you want to be motivated about the past. Uh, let the past be a motivation to you, but getting angry at it, I mean, it's it's done. Right. <laughs> And it's not, it's not getting angry at it. It's getting angry at me for it. Yeah, right. You know, it's like yeah, for yeah. a decision I made, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, okay, now what do I do? You know, so yeah. it's. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. There's this constant yeah. frustration of, you yeah. know, what if I'd done X, Y, and Z, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the if only mind. Yeah. Um, you know, but the teaching on on anger and hatred is is just recognizing, recognizing that if the mind is uh, in a state of anger or a state of hatred. If that mind state is present, not acting <laughs> in that moment. You know, just like seeing that any action coming from that place is probably not going to be helpful to you or to another, right? So yeah. what do you do? You know, sort of like anything else, right? It's like that mind state is not permanent. And it's like, so, so we can sit with the mind state. We can know the mind state. We can actually observe the mind state potentially fading away. Or I can also like say, okay, I'm feeling a mind state of anger. How is that anger actually experienced in this body? And then drop into the body and the feeling of anger and the, the physical somatic feeling of anger in the body. And of course, at that moment, once you're in the body, you're no longer caught in the mind state. And then you can either, you know, just sit with that, that feeling of, let's say, let's say constriction of the chest or heavy, you know, quick, short breaths or whatever, however it's impacting me physically. I can sit with that and watch it change. Or I can, you know, also observe what else is happening in the body and then keep going back and forth. And that, that practice of pendulating between the, the challenging sensation as it's experienced in the body of anger and something that isn't, you know, not being experienced as anger and just going back and forth may even be something external that I'm looking at and then watching it change. And then, you know, the anger basically fades away, you know, and so our practice is one of either just watching it fade away as it will, or, perhaps uh, supporting the fading away by by taking other steps. But also uh, acknowledging the anger as well. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting because this is, when I think about this, um, these are wonderful practices, but the, you think of them as, I think of them as so different from the way we're often taught in our culture to deal with anger, which is, you know, when you're angry, let it out. You know, when you're angry, give them hell, that kind of thing. Right. Um, that that's going to make you feel better and that that's going to sort of expel the anger from your system, you know, getting out, getting it out of you, you know, and that's sort of, I think that's the way oftentimes we're taught yeah. um, in our culture. But I, I, I agree with you that it's really not helpful. On the other hand, it's also not helpful to get into uh, spiritual bypassing, which is to say, to pretend that you're not angry, you know, right. um, which is what we also tend to do. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to pretend outwardly by just sort of not acting. And it's another thing to pretend inwardly because we think that, you know, anger is somehow beneath us or whatever. And so, and that, that can, can not be helpful because then it will build up. I mean, if we're not going to acknowledge it to ourselves at least uh, and acknowledge the feelings, then it can be 
that can be debilitating and, right. and come back even stronger, I think, in the future. Yeah. Because we're really getting angry with ourselves by, I mean, spiritual bypassing is sort of uh, an, a kind of an ill will towards ourself. I mean, it, it is in a sense. It's, it's I don't like that part of me, so I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. Right. 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 Which doesn't really help anything. Or worse, um, pretend that I'm above it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm too enlightened to yeah. be angry, so this can't possibly be anger. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, that's a big a big problem. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that expressing anger for a lot of people feels great. It's like it a drug, you know, it feels yeah. great for a little while, yeah. like for yeah. a few, few, a few beats. <laughs> yeah. And then you feel like crap, you know, yeah. cause you've, you've hurt someone or you've hurt mm-hmm. yourself. And, and so, um, yeah. So, so, so recognizing the anger and then working with skillful means to, to help it fade away, let's put it that way, or find another way of, of being with it um, or giving it the space that it needs to kind of self-liberate. Um, these are all practices that are you know, key. Another big topic. Another wonderful topic, yeah. <laughs> A bottomless pit of topic, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and maybe we'll come back – next time and, and actually speak to delusion yeah you know which is of course where it all starts in many ways well in yeah way, i mean so. yeah i mean of the i would say of the two uh sort of as a coda between uh greed and anger i think greed is in a certain sense we talked about greed before in a previous mm-hmm. podcast is a little bit more expansive it tends to occupy more of our lives but it's anger that often is the more deadly the more yeah, troublesome for sure um, so the sure. one that we really have to be more, more careful of. But anyway. Yeah. Great. Wonderful to talk with you, John. Yeah, likewise. As always. Yeah. And we'll hope that uh, it's been interesting to everyone who's been listening. And feel free to, to send us any comments or questions you have. I think we have email addresses and all that kind of stuff down in the notes. So Yeah, maybe we should put some – maybe on the website we can put some, uh, some of the suttas that – we sort of refer to, and I love some of the images as well, the metaphors. Yeah. You know, it can be really useful to see. So, yep, absolutely. Great. Okay. Until next time. Yep. Until next time. Thanks a lot. See John. you soon. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on your local podcast directory. It would help us out a lot. You can check John out at johnaaron.net and Doug at Doug's Dharma on YouTube and his Patreon page, linked in the notes. You've been listening to Diggin' the Dharma with Doug Smith and John Aaron.